0: I believe that there's a certain kind of magic and playfulness in creating our own reality to a certain extent. And what I mean by that is I get to choose each day what it is I'm going to focus my attention on. Hi, I'm Teresa and welcome to the podcast that explores the stories the body holds and the stories the body tells. I'm Sherry, and our aim is to connect the individual to the collective through our shared stories of living in a body. And each week, Sherry and I pick a different topic and have a casual conversation. This is Anecdotal Anatomy.
1: So, you know, we're recording this after our Rhythm and Rhyme retreat will have already happened, but in anticipation for it. You know, we're sort of bringing in all the things we talk about, like plan B. We had to come up with a plan B because weather is going to impact the way we offer this this experience outside. And we didn't actually have a cover, any kind of pavilion. So, you know, we're working on our plan B. You know, there's a lot of playful things coming up. And so we get to navigate all of that. But at the time of recording this, we are going to be in anticipation of offering our camp. We're going to be doing, last year we did three days of camp. Two were, they were all sort of at the farm doing fun things, but two were during the day and one was a fire ceremony at night. This year, we're going to sort of reflect what a lot of camps do. They do first session and second session. So we're going to do our first session, July 15th and 16th. And our second session is going to be August 5th and 6th. One has a one in front of it. The other one does it. 15 and 16, five and six. So there are two days. It's not a sleepover kind of thing. We're not doing sleepover camp yet, but, you know, maybe in the future. But so while we were thinking about, you know, we've got all this sort of stuff going on in our heads about this upcoming retreat that we're offering, but we're also feeling the wave pulling us toward camp. So we're going to talk a little bit today about, you know, why camp? Why an adult camp? What is camp? And and one of our 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 fundamental, our foundational pillars is play. So we don't think you
0: outgrow play. I certainly hope we don't outgrow play because folding on to that little spark of childlike energy or reckless abandon, you know, playing without being, what is that word? Frivolous? Yes. Okay. Frivolous. I like that. (laughs) I was thinking like unstructured play and not that. there isn't some great benefits of having structured play as well, but the idea to just let your imagination go wild and play, you had mentioned in the intro that, you know, we are in a plan B because of maybe some rain for the event that at the time of listening, everybody who's listening today, it's already happened, but that doesn't mean that we can't reflect back. Uh, But finding a plan B because of the rain is both, Super exciting to know that we have a place for everybody to feel like they're well cared for, that they're nurtured, that they're nourished, that we really thought about their experience and planned accordingly. Also, I hope that we had an opportunity to just dance in the rain. There's just something, you know, singing in the rain, dancing in the rain, to just get out there over just may I'm gonna say more the most recent few years. I've noticed how much i love rainy days to go out and just see nature through different colors i mean i don't like driving in the rain let's be honest i really hate that but if i don't have to go anywhere a light rainy drizzly day with the mist that comes along with it and how it changes the scent of outdoors when we have the heaviness of the element of water saturating the air so hopefully we got to dance in the rain because that feels really playful for me. I've got pictures of my kids dancing in the rain. It's it's the best.
1: And, you know, when you talk about a mist, that always brings up like the mist of Avalon and this sense of enchantment as well, because, you know, weather is, it's not, I mean, we try to predict it, <laughs> we do our best, but, you know, when we were preparing to have this conversation, our first thought was to talk about magic, was to talk about, you know, magical thinking and You know, different types of magic, you know, because what we do often requires a sense of suspension of disbelief or a sense of faith or a sense of, you know, we're going to do this. Is this actually going to provide the results that if I sit in mindfulness meditation, you know, it's not, it's not paranormal magic, this one, but there can often be magical results, the things that transform us. So when I think of magic, I often think of transformation. I think of illusion also. I think of our senses. We talk a lot about our senses and how magic can be a misdirection of our senses to offer up a potential reality that we had not previously considered. And so that breaks through limited belief systems. And when we break through the limited mind, we, I think we have a more, we have more access to our play. We have more access to that playful nature that allows us to sometimes see things that aren't there. And I don't mean that in like, I'm having hallucinations though. That's another story. But in the sense that if I'm walking out, I just think life has no magic at all. And I'm outside, you know, at sunrise and all of a sudden my my breath is taken away from the magic of the colors of the lightning of dark to light. And, all that comes in that interim. So it's like, there's magic everywhere. That's everyday magic, the magic of connection, the sparks that we have. So magic, play, camp, I mean, all of these things kind of factor in together. And I think that it's going to take a little bit of magic, some alchemy uh, to to see where this conversation (laughs) goes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I'm gonna go from uh, I'm gonna dive into magic by talking about a Halloween party that I was invited to, and the theme of the Halloween party was Harry Potter, so all filled with magic, right? They even the way they gave away candy was in the book of of, of spells. They created this book of spells and they put all the candy in. So, as the children came around trick or treating, they were able to open the book of spells and take out their their candy. So how imaginative was that? And the kids, you know, some of them were a little bit hesitant as they saw if they had watched Harry Potter, knowing that this book of spells was magical. They kind of were a little hesitant to touch it and open it. But what I um, was really excited about was one of the gifts that they gave me for coming to this party was a magic wand. And So that magic wand has been right on my desk since the day I got it, knowing that when I sit down to create, when I sit down to be creative, to work, to get things done, I could use a bit of magic to help me, especially when I say to get things done. You know, the magic to be able to stay, the magic of inspiration. Mm -hmm. I even pick up the wand sometimes and like abracadabra it in front of my face. If you don't, you know, if you see this on the video on YouTube, I'm abracadabbering me in space. But <laughs> feeling a little stick stuck, I can go, clown, and I can wave my magic wand and clear the air. And you see, it's an extension of your hand, of your
1: arm, and your arm and your hands are extensions of the heart chakra, love, compassion, all of that. You know, we could create stories and expand. You know, we just said we don't outgrow magic, but it does require a certain childlike sense of wonder, you know, a childlike sense of curiosity and you know, not being fixed in any idea of what things already are. I think we said a long time ago in a podcast that, you know, once we put a name to something, we sort of limit its, its actuality. It's uh, the thing that it is. And I remember when my kids were little and I am not a crafter. I'm not someone who loves crafts. I never know what to do with them, but I do have a childlike sense of play. And I would have the kids gather sticks from the yard and we would paper mache them And then put like little stones and paint them and they became our magic wands. But to be able to allow yourself to see a stick, something, an extension of a tree, something alive, something that is providing from nature, that that is, I mean, back in the day, and I'm going to go back to paganism and I'm going to go back to kind of like original magician, so to speak. It was understanding how the elements work was understanding how to combine the different natural resources around us to create something that wasn't there before, or maybe the illusion. So to be able to, in modern day, take a stick and see and feel the magic in that, and to be able to purposefully, you know, direct your energy towards something, it just feels so, so right. And coming from a generation that, I mean, I grew up with Wonder Woman. I grew up with the Bionic Woman. I grew up with, you know, all of this sense of, you know, these superheroes, these ISIS, almighty oh, ISIS, not the, the terrorist group, but, you know, the almighty oh, ISIS and Shazam and my favorite shows growing up, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Now, granted, I was already older than most of the people watching Buffy at the time. I was in my mid to late 20s when it came out, but I loved it. Supernatural, one of my favorite shows. And I also wanted to like have conversations about, you know, those moments where we get lost in stories, you know, what is, that's magical too, but we also have to be able to come back. We have to be able to say, all right, I've had my time there coming back, but coming back to what? Like, maybe that's magic, which is the reality. You know, this is part of the the exploration I'm constantly doing. What is fucking real? (laughs) Do we live in a simulation? Thank you, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't know.
0: Oh no, gosh. Uh, I'm happy that we're having a conversation about magic because, you know, when you talk about play and you talk about magic and you talk, and I talk about this type of thing, I immediately go to children. Children love to play. Children are magical. Children tap into their creativity and to their imagination. And, and I found that at times in my life when I was overly busy, overly committed, that I would notice that I lost some of my imagination. I wasn't quite as creative as I had been because I was too stuck in adulting and making sure things got done that I lost that sense of adventure and became a little bit like strolling on the treadmill, getting things done in a very rote kind of a fashion. But... I have grandkids and we go out and play. And you triggered this whole thought when you said, pick up a stick and that becomes your magic wand because I took all four of my grandkids out into the woods with nothing but us and water and let them play. And they just had such a great sense of adventure. They they made mud balls because it had been after a rain So there they are, of course, holding all this mud dripping through their fingers and thinking about how this would fit into a cauldron to make some magic potion because they had this mud and gooey like oozing um, earth through their fingers, which was fun. They all had something that they found, whether it was a stick or a leaf. Even one of my grandkids found an overturned tree. So if you've ever seen the bottom of a tree when it falls, you can see all the roots, but still entangled in the roots is dirt that's dried out. And what he found was he was picking the dirt and picking the dirt, and he pulled off this piece of dirt and went over to a tree, and the dirt was acting like chalk. So he went around and he created by making chalk path signs if you've ever been hiking you know that trails all have different signs so that you can follow the trail and he went through the woods creating trails for the rest of the kids to follow so this open imagination where you can take a piece of dirt and create something magical for the rest of the people out there playing to do it was just so inspiring and kind of for me killed away some of my adulting stuffiness and I was like oh I can go and put my hands in the dirt like if I'm gardening I put my hands in the dirt out in the woods do I want to play in the mud not really (laughs) but I did but I did and it was fun and it doesn't
1: and it can show up in different ways you know I started out my career in acting that is all about play you know it's all about assuming another character and assuming another reality and and making that reality real enough for someone else to buy into it, to say, ah, oh, to feel what you're feeling, to have a sense that they're connected to the reality that you're creating. And that takes the writers and the direct, all the people to create this, this illusion of the story. You know, I had a friend, one of my best friends, after his mom died, I was watching a TV show and, he sa- and I was crying because something had happened. And he said, real life is so much sadder than TV. And in the moment, I felt a pang of guilt. I felt like, oh my God, you're so right. And over time, I thought, well, is that true? Is is the life that we live on the other side of the screen of the stage of the proscenium arch, is that more real than the experience we're having when someone is telling us a story? You know, if you are invested, and I'll say for myself, when I'm invested, I feel like I know these people. I feel they become real to me, like the Velveteen Rabbit, loved into realness. And so when someone dies or there's loss or there's grief of any kind, or on the other side, the joy and the happiness, I feel invested in that. And so is that sadness any less legitimate or that happiness or joy any less legitimate than if it had happened to someone that I knew in my day-to-day life? And we've talked about how we can do a guided meditation and your body doesn't know the difference if you're at the beach or not. Our body doesn't really know the difference between fabricated laughter and organic laughter. It's results in the body, that kind of thing. So it makes me wonder if the realities that we are sort of choosing to become a part of, you know, because what, again, reality, it's one of those things that um, our time here is, is really is extraordinary and is filled with the opportunity to see magical things in ordinary ways It's an opportunity to expand our thinking to include the things that we don't understand. I mean, we have all different kinds of religions and things that feed our belief systems. And I had written something, imagination and belief. And I feel personally, imagination is limitless. It can include all different kinds of realities. It can include everything in this infinite space of imagination. But belief systems become a little bit more limiting. I believe this, and if I believe this, then therefore I don't believe that. And so there's just a sense of structure and boundary
0: around it, which I found curious. Yeah, you're talking about, you know, are we, is this reality? Are we living in a simulation or any of what the answer is? I don't know, but I believe that there's a certain kind of magic and playfulness in creating our own reality to a certain extent. And what I mean by that is I get to choose each day what it is I'm going to focus my attention on. And if my day, it consists of focusing my attention on things that bring me down, uh, things that are unrestful, things that are not fun and exciting out in the world, and not that all of life has to be fun and exciting. But if I focus on all types of things, it reminds me of a A story that I once heard where this young couple is moving and they are moving because, and so they go to this community that they're thinking of buying in and they're talking to the realtor and they say, you know, so what kind of a neighborhood is this that we're moving into? And he said, well, tell me about where you live right now. And the one couple says, we have the best neighbors. We have so many fun things to do in our neighborhood. We have, you know, this swimming pool that we like to go to. We're close to the park and we have a place that's fun to walk our dog. All our neighbors are so and are are so welcoming and friendly. Everybody says hello. And the realtor says, this neighborhood is just like that. And the next client comes in and is sitting at their desk and they're like, so can you tell us about the neighborhood in which you're showing us these homes? And he asks the same question. Tell me about where you live right now. They're like, oh all of our neighbors are terrible. There's nothing fun to do there. It is dirty. Every time I go out, everybody just kind of like doesn't even know that you exist. They don't even say hello. And they go on this whole list of things that are not so great about the place they live. And and the realtor says, oh, I think this neighborhood is much the same. And so the moral of the story was it was what they saw, that if you're the person who's going to show up and go, oh, all my neighbors are fun and this is the reality that you are looking for, this is the part of where you're going and where you live that you're going to seek out, look, and allow that to capture your attention, then the place is less significant than the mindset. And I think that's really where it goes is that there's a mindset of how we want our reality to look. And not that we can always be in like bubbles and balloons, but we can have a mindset that allows us to see specific things in our environment that might be extremely influential on creating our own reality.
1: Yeah, you know, and recognizing it. Awareness and consciousness has to come first so that we're aware of what our perceptions are. You know, it makes me think of a scene from Annie Hall, and I got to say, like, I, I don't watch Woody Allen anymore. But it's a great scene and, you know, it's sex talk coming. So if you want to, you know, fast forward, you can. But Annie goes to her shrink while Alfie's going to his shrink. And Alfie's shrink says, (laughs) my dad was a shrink, psychiatrist, says, you know, so are you and Annie sexually active? Like, how often are you having sex? And he's like, oh, rarely ever, like three times a week. And Annie's shrink says, so Annie, are you and Alfie having sex? She's like, oh, all the time, like three times a week. So, you know, it's the same number, but it's a totally different, perception of what is what they want their desire their reality what that is Um, and so that may have been the beginning of their (laughs) not seeing the world in the same way so you know worldview when we come together is is kind of important as we're creating relationships and community which is what we're working on doing through our live programs and like we said rhythm and rhyme has already passed this is such a mind fuck when it comes to time and doing what we do So what has not already happened for us has already happened for you. So uh, (laughs) uh, it's just, it's another, that's, is that what's real? Did it happen or didn't it happen? It's If you believe time is linear, then um, as a belief system, then for us, it has not happened yet. Anyway, (laughs) let's
0: go in. I found this fabulous website, Sherry, that I did not know existed. Mm. And I didn't know this company existed, uh, not company. That was the wrong word, uh, which is the uh, this institute, the National Institute for Play, mm. cool. which was fun. And one of the attempts on there were uh, the different play personalities. So we I'll send you that link and we can put that in there. But when you come to play and I, you know, I know that we're talking about magic and play almost interchangeably, and uh, although they are not the same thing, they kind of. Maybe play, they they go hand in hand, right? The more magical we can feel inside, maybe we open our mindset into that part of our brain that likes to play. And on this website, there is a part of the brain that is activated by play, but that's not where I'm going here. We're going to talk about the personalities of play. The first one is the collector. So maybe you collect something and and there's fun around that. You know, maybe it is, you know, going out and searching all of these antique shops for coins and you have this whole playful day. Or you like to do toy trains and play is like setting up these scenes that the trains can go around on the tracks or maybe, you know, wine. Okay, that could be fun. We can, um, are, we're a collector of wine, which means we can go to wine tastings and visit all these beautiful vineyards and have a sense of play Uh, with that. While you're in the collecting
1: part, I just want to say my father was an antiquarian book collector. He had tens of thousands of antique books, and I used to go with him to some of the shows, some of the trade shows for these antique books, and everyone knew him. For my dad, who was very, very busy and had a very kind of structured life, this was so playful, and he would almost dance from booth to booth, interacting with people. I could feel the sense of play and joy in him just by holding these books and talking about them. So yeah, when you talk about that collecting thing, it brings that up for me. Yeah, Um,
0: and I wouldn't have thought of collecting, you know, being a collector of things that I really love as playful. So I was really happy to read about that and kind of redirect my paradigm around collection, collecting things. And they can be playful because I collect Santa Clauses. And so that means when you collect something, people tend to get you gifts Mm -hmm. for the thing that you collect. And the playful part of it is sometimes those gifts are really kind of fun and, right? Like, think of how many different ways you can find something to gift that has a Santa Claus on it, right? I've got cups and mugs and stuffed animals and pillows and you name it, even a stand-up Santa Claus that sings. Anyway, (laughs) I collect dragons.
1: I used to collect dragons. I don't anymore, but that's also a fun, like all different from the Chinese dragons to the Arthurian dragons, different mythological things. And for Santa, so many different ways into expressing Saint Nick, man, from the ancient kind of, you know, looking the the vision of him to today. I think that's really fucking cool.
0: The next one is the competitor. And so there's really a lot of nuances around the competitor, Because those are more structured play in many ways, whether you're playing football or baseball or golf or soccer, whatever the more competitive sport is, the distinction that they made was, and it reminded me of Ted Lasso in a lot of ways, you know, competitive sports. Are you all about winning and are you getting all frustrated because maybe your team isn't in first place or, you know, you... Hit that ball on the golf course and it winds up in the sand or in the weeds, and you're rrr, rrr, and all throwing things around because it's not there. Or are you out there for the fun and the joy of the game? And if you win, oh, that's great. And if you don't win, uh, that's okay too. And that just kind of reminded me of some of the scenes in Ted Lasso when they weren't doing so well. And he'd be like, ah, Yeah, we're not going to worry about that. And he would go on to one of his amazing stories. So, play and the competitor or the creator and the artist and this one really captured my attention because I do like making things with my hands and I do like coloring and painting and I've done pottery in the past and I made air plant uh, structures on driftwood so I like creating things and so there's this joy in creation of and it's not just about like those things that I mentioned. I, you know, did pottery and painting and coloring. You and I are creators of events and experiences. And so there is a certain amount of play in the creation process. And that cooking, cooking and, cooking and
1: gardening is. and like all of those things are creation. You're making something out of nothing. You know, those like you suggest those typical things that we think of when we think of art and craft or things that we do with our hands. But creation, creating ideas, writing a story, like there's almost everything we do comes from creation. Everything we see, everything we touch came from nothing. You know, I'm assuming, I mean, again, everything has already happened in beginningless time. But at some point, we were only with our natural resources. And today we have everything from the tree outside the window to AI, you know, and everything in between
0: had to be created. Yeah. And. You know, if if we don't have a sense of play when we're creating programs like Rhythm and Rhyme or Cam, then when people arrive, I think they can feel that they're going to be like, "Oh, this was such a..." Str- I can feel somewhere. It may not be like something that is in their in your conscious awareness, but the experience I think would be a whole lot different if it was created with a sense of stress and tension while we were programming. So that creative energy of making these events has to happen with you and I playing and bouncing off ideas and going on location and just like experiencing. So it's like a meal um,
1: made with love. You can taste the love. You know, the energy we put into things is the energy that comes out the other side because energy cannot be created or destroyed, can only be redistributed. So when we distribute our energy into the thing we're creating, the person on the receiving end is going to get something of that, whether or not they're cognizant. There's that, like you said, energetic feeling, that sense.
0: Mm. And then being able to explore. And this goes back. I mean, if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you've heard Sherry mention her mama in past episodes saying, take the detour, right? So when you get lost, do you get like all frustrated? Like, oh my gosh, now I don't know where I am. Is this a sense of frustration, or do you tap into that magical explorer inside and go, "I wonder what I'm going to stumble on, uh, stumble upon, not stumble on, stumble upon <laughs> and find this new place, or just, you know, S- I've gotten lost in the past and just found the most magical places that I never would have found had I not get- gotten lost, so was getting lost in accident? Or was it a magical spell that was cast upon me to be able to go out and explore and find something new and exciting? And of course, there's the Joker, right? Jokes are your Joker, and this is all going back to those to avatars. What when do we talk avatars? Like archetypes, too. Archetypes. archetypes. Sorry. Yeah, that's archetypes. right. Archetypes. Archetypes. Season Avatar.
1: Two. Like Avatar yeah. brings in that sense of illusion. You know, what is your avatar? What is the thing you're using to represent yourself? As like, And so I don't think it was a mistake that you said that, whereas the archetype is the energy that underlies
0: that. So, you know, we get to use all the words. Yeah. Then we get to have a combination of all of these different parts of our personality, depending. I am sure that my sense of play would be a whole lot different when you and I are creating than when I'm out in the woods with my grandkids. You and I have not gotten to making mud balls yet. Maybe we will. I'm not sure. Yeah.
1: I, and I'm not sure that that's the thing I need in order to, you know, represent my sense of play. <laughs> I, I could skip around and that would be enough. Is there more on that list?
0: Yeah, there is. Uh, there's kinesthetic play, uh, dancing. And that reminded me of being at Kerpalo with trance dance every day at noon, where you just go in and listen to the music and you're allowed to have fun and be playful and expressive without any specific dance move. And one of the things that they talked about as an example of somebody who liked kinesthetic play was jump rope. And I remembered when I was young, I was amazing at double dutch. I could get in there and double dutch jump rope for 10 or 15 minutes and not miss a step. I don't know what would happen if I did it today. Maybe it's in uh, muscle memory and I would jump right into that rope and still now. Who knows? I don't know.
1: Um, Um, Go ahead. Apropos of the trans dance, we used to do a lot of that at the Prancing Peacock. I think, you know, Liz was sort of influenced by Shiva Ray and the trans dance piece of that. What I found really interesting was the inhibitions of people who would not let themselves just go. You know, if we did it in a training and sometimes with finding your voice, I would do the trans dance. And these are smaller groups of people who are intending to be there for a purpose, which is true in all of the classes, just the purpose is a little bit differently directed. But there were times where, I mean, and I'm silly by nature, and I have absolutely no inhibitions when it comes to just letting it all go. I mean, this is my entire life I've been this way. So as soon as the music starts, I'm dancing, I'm doing my thing. And because it's also part of my nature to try to inspire other people to do it, it was fascinating to me how many people were just sort of standing in place, lightly bouncing, and not really allowing the trance piece of the dance to uh, to take them away. And so it wasn't until a couple more people got into it, it's sometimes you have to see it in order to know that you can do it. And when you're part of the group, if you're the only one doing it, then that's one thing. But then all of a sudden you get other people involved. And this is what we are, one of our intentions with our programs is to create that sense of community where there is less inhibition. I won't say no inhibition because we all get to choose our levels of inhibition, but to come together in a safe group where we can dance our booties off where we can you know, cook the food we love, where we can do the crafts we love, where we can actually inhabit the activities that bring that sense of playfulness and joy together in a group setting. That is one of the things, Was I, we were talking recently about the art of slowing down and the anatomy of slowing down. And one of the things that came from this, which I wrote down somewhere and I can't find the source material, but it said that doing group activities group activities in a socially sort of safe situation promotes that sense of calm and ease and restore and so when we're looking to reset ourselves to restore to come back to some sense of you know center that these group socialized activities are high up on that list
0: yeah well, you were talking about singing and dancing and you know how it took time for people to like let go of those inhibitions and I remembered when we did Lasta Yoga at camp last year, it became contagious. It started with like, ha, ha, ha but <laughs> people just became more and more and more excited to be participating and it got loud and it got fun. And at the um, full moon ceremony, we started like these light howls, like, oh, let's howl at <laughs> the moon and you have, but by the time we were just in it for a very short period of time the howls got a lot louder and longer. And we were even commenting, I wonder what people who live around here are thinking (laughs) is going on out there. There's a pack of wolves that's coming our way. You can get in that safe space, you know, the, the letting go of the inhibition. Sometimes just happens when one or two people let go of theirs. And then it becomes a little bit contagious. For me, I know that's the time where I'm like, you know what, Teresa? nobody's watching you anyway. Like where's all this inhibition coming from? It's not like everybody's standing around staring going, I wonder what you're doing. You know, go out there and have a good time.
1: And even as simple as sometimes everyone close your eyes. You know, there's always that one person who's got the eyeball open looking to make sure everyone else has their eyes closed before there's that sense of I can close my eyes too. Because when we close our eyes and go in, we are inhabiting the reality of our own internal landscape. And that can be very vulnerable. And if you know, you're sort of surrounded by people who are not participating that can feel uncomfortable, but I'm not afraid of discomfort. And this is one of the things I I don't want to derail though. Are there more on the list? No, I think that was it. Okay. Cause this idea of magic, like anything can go to the either extreme, you know, extreme of like, we have this idea of the power of attraction, which is magical. But it's not just making a vision board. It's not just declaring the thing, though declaring is an important ingredient in the manifestation of the things that you want and the drawing of those things to you. But there's also action that has to be taken. There's also other things that are involved in creating the causes and conditions, which I say a lot, the causes and conditions for bringing it into your life. And so sometimes it would be easy to kind of say, like, everyone just take a deep breath and declare what it is that you want to the universe and then wait for it to happen. Well, no, that's, you know, that's magical thinking, which is different than real magic. As far as I'm concerned, these are all, you know, our thoughts and feelings about things. But that we we get to, the reason we do so many practices and activities, because they're all designed to up the frequency, to create the energetic force that will, you know, conspire on our behalf. You know, it's not, it's not just magic. It doesn't just happen, you know, so we can use the word in so many ways. So at camp, we're going to be doing these practices. And if went together, like there's, there's power in numbers, you know, when we sort of generate and, you know, enhance that, who knows what can happen. And then to be available for the unexpected, to think that you may want something. And then the thing that comes in is the thing that you're like, oh, that's really the thing. Because we are always limited by our own minds. And so when the universe presents us with something, then we go, sometimes we question it or we think, oh, oh." like really, this is the thing? But often, you know, we have to sort of travel through the realms in order to have a full existence. So we can't always live in the happy, happy, joy, joy place. You know, sometimes we're presented with shit that happens and on the other side of that is the gift. And, but we don't need to talk about that during the acute situation of suffering, you know, just be in the suffering and let that,
0: you know, create the, its own cause and effect. You you're talking about like uh, the law of attraction and can we bring magic close to us by, you know, thinking magically, acting magically and I recognized while you were talking that I am wearing a dream catcher is a necklace around my neck and it was given to me uh, at Christmas by my grandson Uh, and he gave me this dream catcher and I put it on and it really has not been off my neck since then. Is that magic? I don't know. It's infused with his energy. Sometimes I find myself just holding onto it and, you know, rolling it back and forth on the chain and really thinking about dreams and manifestation and the magic of just, of just, I'm saying of just, the magic of that visualization, the creation of what it is that I would like to have in my life. And so you said, you can't just say, oh, I want this, and then set the intention and boom, there it goes. But this dream catcher that I wear around my neck is a, reminder over and over again that the things that I want to attract those dreams that fun that play that magic into my life is not only wearing the necklace but the reminder that when I touch it to bring into my thoughts into my awareness into my energy the things that I value that I want to manifest or my dreams it's a talisman you know and we those Those little
1: things that we get, the touchstones that remind us to create the realities that we want, which is where we kind of started with this. And so, you know, in the world of that creation, I think about magicians. You know, my husband has always loved magic and he's got magic boxes and he used to do magic tricks for the nieces and nephews before we had kids and taught them little tricks with cotton balls and little, you know, stuff like that. And one of the things that we started talking about this, that like, that we experience our life through our senses. That is how we see things and smell things and taste all the stuff. But the job of the magician is sometimes to misdirect, to use props, to use, you know, different ways of, of challenging you to look somewhere else while they're doing something over here. This, But it's by doing that, they create the situation where what seemed impossible becomes possible. And it's even a misdirection of the senses is living through the senses. It's just a different direction of using them. And so, you know, as we're creating what feels like an illusion or may we talk about it as illusion, but it feels so real. We're looking at it. We're seeing the illusion in front of us and it feels so real. And we love Penn and Teller here. We have, you know, watched a lot of their shows and we just saw Carbonaro at the Keswick a few weeks ago and he was phenomenal. I mean, and to see the magic up close and you think, how can it not be real? But then it comes back to what is fucking real. You know, but when we're left in a sense of awe, regardless of how we got there, powerful. And that's magical. And it's a reminder that, you know, to kind of allow yourself to look just underneath. You know, is there something there that that feels magical? Doesn't have to be a dragon or a wizard. We're
0: all wizards. We are because I have the magic wand to prove it. (laughs) My wizard wand. While you were talking about magic and all of the performers that you really loved, I was thinking about Houdini. And Houdini said, if it's possible to come back, he would. That would be the ultimate part of his magic, that after he passed, if it was possible for him to come back, he would. And so I've often thought about that. I wonder if he came back. I had someone else that I knew who said the same thing. I believe what Houdini did. If it's possible to come back, I'll come back. And come back
1: in physical form, or come back just, to visit. Just come others. back.
0: Just come back. I don't know that there was an actual come back in physical form, but I will. I will still be here. And as well, I'm talking about Houdini right now, and I'm referencing the the other family member who said, "Yeah, I, I agree with Houdini. If it's possible to come back, I will." Are they back? We're talking about them right now. Or is the magic of showing, hey, I'm back, that song that comes on the radio, like you start to think of Houdini or family members or friends or whoever they might be. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I kind of miss them. And then their favorite song comes on the radio or... I can tell you
1: a specific a specific story just about that. When my, my dad, before he died, like, well, yeah, I, and I've talked about this very dear friend who's like my sister, who is a psychic medium, and a lot of people have come through her. So, yes, I do believe that because I've seen her work with others in terms of getting messages and presenting them. But I remember saying to my dad, when you're gone, because he had pancreatic cancer and he was, you know, not long for the world, I said, find my friend. I don't want to say her name out loud. I do, but I don't. And I want to honor her. Starts with an L. Hi, L that find her and she'll be able to, you know, let me know. And he said, how will I find her? I said, I don't know. People find her. And he definitely has visited her. She's given me messages. But there was one day I woke up and I started singing Helen Reddy's I am woman, hear me roar. You know, I was singing and I hadn't sung that song in years. I have no idea why it came up. But I'm singing I am woman, hear me roar. And I'm feeling this female empowerment. And my daughter had left her trumpet at home. So I had to take the trumpet to the school. So I'm driving to the school and I have the radio on. Now, I like classic rock, so I usually leave it on Magic because that's the classic rock station. But we have XPN, which is the University of Pennsylvania's radio station, on our thing, which I very rarely do because new music, I don't know, college stuff, whatever. But I'm flipping through. I turn it on XPN and there is my cousin Peter, Peter Hemmelman, his song, Woman with the Strength of, a, of 10,000 Men, which is energetically, like I am woman, hear me roar. This woman had, you know, and now Peter is my cousin through my father. And I only, and my dad used to work at Penn. So the University of Pennsylvania radio station playing my my cousin, who I very rarely ever heard on the radio, but there it was, strength of a th- 10,000 men. And I'm like, oh my God, dad, thank you. Because typically I would say, please send me a message that I will understand because messages are constantly coming in, I think. But I don't always see them. I'm driving down Big Oak one day, it was either Big, it was Big Oak Road in Lower Bucks. And I said out loud, that was one story. I said, dad, I need a message. Send me a message that I can understand. And in that moment, I saw a mailbox with the number 326, which I have not seen before or since. I don't know where it is now. 326 was the address of his office at the Benjamin Fox Pavilion in Jenkintown, where he lived. I mean he was a work man he was at his office all the time so 326 as soon as I saw it I knew that he had sent that so again is that just a magic of the moment I really believe and now I've always said beliefs are limiting but I feel it in my bones that that was a direct message that those both of those were
0: Yeah I have uh something similar after my brother passed I was I went on a trip I was in Bar Harbor me and I was walking down you know doing touristy things going in and out of shop stopping for lunch the whole you know stopping to have a drink we went on that uh, you know this boat cruise but what happened that day was every time I walked into a building into the bar into the store a song that my brother loved was playing I must have heard it five times that day and I was like and. did It's an old song. It it shouldn't have been playing everywhere, but it kept. And I kept thinking to myself, well, thank you for showing up. And even the other day, I was telling my sister a story and I was like, well, I appreciate, you know, this person offering to hang up a lot. I need um, something hung in my house and it has to get hooked into the electric. And she says, well, you know, so and so can help you with that. And I was like, oh, no, I know that he's having some difficulty with his shoulder. With his bad shoulder, he can't do that. But my brother, the same one, always said, Not with my bad back. And as soon as the words with his bad shoulder, I don't know that I would want to ask him. And I don't even like the word that I used, bad shoulder, but it just came, it was my brother's words that were, that that flashed into my mind when I came. And my brother would always say, Not with my bad back. (laughs) And so, it came out almost in his voice. I heard his voice in my head say that, and so I was like, "Hello, thanks for being here. I appreciate your energy coming." So, is it magic? I think so. Yeah, I, I don't. I
1: have, I have very little doubt, if any. I just, you know, because why? I have to believe in everything.
0: And <laughs> you know, nothing. I don't know. I don't know. So, but I so think that we're, yeah, that brings. Oh, go ahead. That, so. So we're at the hour.
1: Is there something that you would like? Or almost. We've got a few minutes. Is there mm-hmm. anything that was still lingering
0: for you? No, the only thing that I really did want to talk about mm-hmm. is just something really personal. And that is I wouldn't say that I have always been the most playful person. I tend towards seriousness more than I would like to. But I do have to say that over the last year, with the different activities that we've done, when we did camp last year when we did rhythm and rhyme my sense of play deepened and deepened and deepened and i think the day that i can probably point to it as being like a pivotal transformation was the day in camp last year when it was too hot and you and i had the discussion of canceling because it was super hot to be outside for the amount of hours we were asking but we pivoted you know we got the pool we got the uh the hose with the sprayer we came up with activities that involved water and ice and our campers brought their own things to add in we had people bringing in watermelon and neck rolls and salty treats to help us keep the water in and just watching everybody like show up with their own little gift of how to make a hot day more more fun and more tolerable and How easily it was to just get people to sit with their feet in a baby pool or sit in the baby pool itself or do a conga line through the um, sprinkler just brought me so much into my youthful days that for that, I'm truly grateful as being the host, the facilitator for how many gifts I received in being more playful from our Keystone community that were at that
1: event. Yeah. And we're coming up on our second, our second annual. Now that we've had our first, we can annualize it. Is annualize a word? So just some of the things that came up during preparation for this conversation about some of the things we may be offering, arts and crafts, certain things that we can do to use our hands and create things. Of course, yoga and meditation in different ways, probably yin, a little bit of yang, a little bit of sitting, a little bit of walking, different ways of inhabiting these yogic practices, meal prep and consumption eating together and, and cooking together, spiritual practice practices, storytelling, re-storytelling, uh, maybe a little duck-duck goose, maybe a board game, depending, because it's supposed to, well, this is raining for rhythm and rhyme, but it's going to be sunny and beautiful for camp. A fire ceremony, rain dances, dancing in the rain if it's raining or dancing for rain if it's been too hot, right? Mindful walking, mindful experiences, connecting with each other, conversations and and some downtime to create the things that come from, from one's heart. So mark your calendars, July 15th and 16th and August 5th and 6th. They will be two separate sessions that you can do individually or you can do it together and we'll send out package plans and things like that. So keep your eyes open for that. should be a lot of fun.
0: Yes, that is um, one of my favorite events because it's a second (laughs) so I'm going to make it my favorite. But before we go, let's just run through one more list now that there's a little bit of what to expect. But the benefits of play, boosting creativity, sharpening your sense of humor. I know I could always use that, especially to be able to laugh at myself. It helps to cope better with stress and appreciate beauty. Maybe it'll improve your move or approach life with uh, more excitement and an energetic spirit. Play is exercise. We're going to be moving. So we get the body moving and in shape. So and I think it's in my list of lists. It's a foundational element for wellness is a playful, calm
1: persona. And if you'll notice so much, so many of the things that we offer, whether it's the art and anatomy of slowing down, you know, the art of home practice, you know, all the different things that we are putting out there each week. So many of the benefits have crossover. You know, some of them have separate things that sort of are individualized, but most of them energetically and actually cross over to create this holistic wellness uh, for us. So we come with us. It's a magical carpet ride. With- Dun, dun, dun. When I first moved to Philly, I just have to say from New York, when I moved here, I heard Magic Carpet Ride every time I turned on the radio. I loved the song. But by the time after a couple of months, I was like, oh, my God, Philly loves fucking
0: Magic Carpet Ride. <laughs> that. Yeah. anywho, it's a Philly thing. It's a Philly <laughs> thing. All right, loves. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening, for reading, reviewing, and subscribing to our channels and other stuff. Thank you for inspiring us to have these conversations and to create contemplative, live experiences that move our bodies, hearts, and minds to the rhythm of our highest selves. Thank you for showing up.
1: Feel free to send us your stories, questions, and comments to anecdotalanatomy at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank our amazing editor, Judith George, Keith Kenny for our fun music, and Cindy Fatsis for our photos. Journey with us as we continue down the roads of discovery, taking the detours and meeting the mysteries. You are our why. See you next time.